verses 13 through 17. Again, I'm reading from the message. I'd like to follow along. Ruth chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. One day her mother-in-law, Naomi, said to Ruth, My dear daughter, isn't it about time that I arranged a good home for you so that you can have a happy life? And isn't Boaz, our close relative, the one with whom, with whose young women you've been working? Maybe it's time to make our move. Tonight is the night of Boaz's barley harvest on the threshing floor. Take a bath. Put on some perfume. Get all dressed up and go to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you're there until the party is well underway and he's had plenty of food and drink. When you see him slipping off to sleep, watch where he lies down and go there. Lie at his feet to let him know that you are available to him for marriage. Then wait and see what he says. He'll tell you what to do. Ruth said, if you say so, I'll do it just as you've told me. And then in chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, Boaz married Ruth. She became his wife. Boaz slept with her, and by God's gracious gift, she conceived and had a son. The town women said to Naomi, Blessed be God. He didn't leave you without a family to carry on your life. May this baby grow up to be famous in Israel. He'll make you young again. He'll take care of you in your old age. As this daughter-in-law who has brought him back to the world loves you so much, why, she's worth more, than you, worth more to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and held him in her arms, cuddling him, cooing over him, waiting on him hand and foot. The neighborhood women started calling him Naomi's baby boy. But his real name was Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now I'm going to ask you to do something uh, that some of you I know right off. You're not going to do it. That's okay. But I want to ask you to take 30 seconds and pull out your phone and make a selfie with whoever you're sitting with. And then I want you to post it on, uh, on social media, okay, and, or, or send it to somebody and say, at Gadsden First United Methodist Church, wish you were here, okay? Take 30 seconds to do that right now. Come on, Andy. Okay, I want to see that on Instagram and on Facebook. I want you to Snapchat that person who slept in this morning. Okay. So thank you for doing that. I don't know about you all, but I have a love-hate relationship with social media, particularly with Facebook. And this last week, I have got to experience both love and the hate. I, let me talk about the hate for one thing. Some of my friends felt the need to just post these ugly, divisive political things all over Facebook uh, during the campaign. And I t it's just like a punch in the gut to me because I love my country and, and, and I want uh, so much for us to, to be able to move forward together and to work together. And it's just 
sometimes I read that stuff and I want to say, come on, people, we can do better than that. Okay, that's the hate part. Now for the love part. I absolutely love seeing pictures of children and grandchildren. I love getting to see the pictures of the fun places that you get to travel. And what I really also love about Facebook and social media is sometimes you have a prayer need. And you put it out there, and just in the blink of an eye, you can have hundreds of people rallying around you and praying for you and supporting you and sending you encouragement. So, And then every once in a while, this is under the category of love, every once in a while I see a, a meme or a picture of something that just is right on target with where I am and what I need to hear that day and it happened this last week uh, one is and if you have uh, if you pull out your outline I, you actually can see the quote I wrote it down it's uh, from Victor Frankl Victor Frankl was an Austrian psychiatrist who uh, is also a Holocaust survivor and he writes this about his experience in the concentration camps he, he said, we who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. So I read that morning, and I really needed to hear that that morning. And then the next day, I found this. I don't, I don't know who wrote this, but it, it really touched my heart. It says, when you can't control what's happening, challenge yourself to control the way you respond to what's happening. That's where your power is. And that's what I see when I see this part of the story in the book of Ruth. I see Ruth and Naomi claiming their power. See, Naomi um, uh, claims her power by shifting her focus. Remember to claim your power. Naomi claims her power by shifting her focus. There are things and circumstances that are going on in Naomi and Ruth's life over which they have no control. I can imagine Naomi getting up one morning, and, and maybe she's having coffee. I don't know if they had coffee back then, but... Uh, maybe she's having her coffee, and maybe she's doing a reality check. I do this from time to time, usually when I'm drinking my coffee. Reality check. And here's Naomi's reality check. Her husband is dead. Both of her sons are dead. The only person she has in her life is Ruth, and Ruth is in the same position she's in. You see, widows in that day and time were in really, really desperate situations unless they could find a kinsman who would, who would take them under their wing. So it was dire, dire straits for Naomi. And for a while, Naomi was grieving and inwardly focused and depressed. When she and Ruth first came back to Bethlehem, the townswomen said, Oh, look, there's, there's Naomi. Isn't that Naomi? She's been away for so long. Naomi, is that you? And Naomi said, don't even call me Naomi. My name is now bitter because God has dealt a bitter blow to me. Wow. I mean, I hope you've never felt that way, but maybe you have. Maybe you have been at a place that was so low, you, you said, my name 
is bitter. My name is depression. My name is divorce. My name is unemployed. I don't know. Maybe you felt that way. That's where Naomi was. But then something shifts inside of Naomi. She starts, instead of focusing on her own problems and her own dire circumstances and her own grief, she now turns her attention outward to Ruth, to this wonderful, remarkable young woman who has committed herself to Naomi in such a wonderful way and to Naomi's God. See, Naomi can't bring back her husband. She can't bring back her sons. But she can do the one thing that parents always did for their children in those days. She can turn her attention to arranging a marriage for Ruth. And she was cooking up a plan in her head. She, she knew that Boaz was interested in Ruth from the way that he let her glean in his field and the way he gave her protection with the, the other maidens and with the gifts that he sent home with her. So Naomi hatched this plan for Ruth to let Boaz know that she was available. So let me go back to those sayings that we said earlier. Uh, Remember that the last human freedom is the freedom to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. And remember that when you can't control what's happening, you can challenge yourself to control the way you respond to what's happening. That's where the power is, and Naomi is claiming her power. Now, here's how Ruth claims her power. Ruth claims her power by being vulnerable. I don't know if you've ever thought about this part of the story before, but Ruth is incredibly vulnerable in what she does. She takes a bath. She anoints herself with perfume. She changes from her funeral grieving widow garments and puts on wedding garments. And she has the faith to follow Naomi's plan down to the last detail. She goes to the threshing floor. She waits until Boaz has finished eating and drinking. She watches to see where he's going to go and bed down for the night. And she, in cover of darkness, goes and she lays herself at the feet of Boaz. And Boaz is startled and he wakes up and there's this woman laying at his feet. And he says, who is that? And Ruth says, I am Ruth. And then she says, will you marry me? Not exactly those words, but pretty close. Will you marry me? My point is, she's really putting herself out there. I mean, Boaz could have said, woman, have you lost your mind? Or he could have, maybe he was a little kinder than that. He could have said, well, you know, Ruth... I'm not really looking for a serious relationship right now. I've been hurt before, you see. And, and uh, I'm just not ready to commit. It's not you, it's me. He could have said that. But instead he said this, God bless you, my dear daughter. What a splendid expression of love. And when you could have had your pick of any young man around, now my dear daughter, don't you worry about a thing. I'll do all you could want or ask. See, God's power works in those whose focus is on others and serving others and in those who are vulnerable. When Naomi started focusing on Ruth and helping her, then she ended up receiving a bigger blessing than she could ever imagine. And when Ruth was vulnerable enough to put herself in a position of humility at the feet of Boaz and to believe his promises, she received a bigger blessing than she could ever imagine. 
God stepped in in a big, big way. And Naomi's blessing was going to be a bouncing baby grandson. And Ruth's blessing, of course, was her son named Obed. And this brings me to the last point. Remember that the climax of the story sometimes happens at the end. The story of Ruth has four chapters, and the climax doesn't happen to the very end of the story. In a way, the story of Ruth is like a picture of our deepening relationship with God. In chapter 1, Ruth doesn't even know Boaz exists. In chapter 2, we see Ruth is just a poor laborer who is working and gleaning in the field of Boaz. But chapter 3 is a turning point because that's the time that Ruth puts herself at the feet of Boaz and takes a step of faith and believes his promises. And then in chapter 4, Ruth is no longer a slave, no longer a poor gleaner. She's now married to Boaz, and everything that Boaz owns is hers too. And that son that she and Boaz have, have together, Obed, Obed is going to go on to be the father of Jesse, who is the father of David. And that's how a foreign Moabite woman comes into the family line of the Messiah. Drop the mic right there at the end. That is why I love the book of Ruth so much. It helps me to remember that our lives are a journey. And like we said last week, sometimes they're a painful journey. The turning point in our journey, though, the time when we can experience the, the power and the grace of God happens when we shift our focus away from our own circumstances and to helping and serving others. The turning point when we claim our power is when we have the faith to be vulnerable, not to climb the ladder, but to just lay ourselves at the feet of our Lord. Maybe you're going through tough times right now. If you are, then Ruth is your call to remember not to give up in chapter 2 and chapter 3, but to go all the way to chapter 4 because God is writing the end of your story and it's going to be awesome. God gets to write the ending. If you're stalled or you're stagnant in your spiritual right, life right now, then, then Ruth is a reminder to you. Don't be satisfied with just gleaning around the edges and, and picking up the leftovers and just gritting your teeth just to get by. God wants all of us to experience a life that is overflowing with his grace and his love and his joy. But we have to be vulnerable enough to place ourselves at his feet and to just ask him. To just ask him and to find out that he's already said yes. He's already said yes. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for these wonderful stories that we get to read in the Bible. And we pray that we can learn. We can learn in reading about Ruth and Naomi not to give up, but that you get to write the end of the story, and it's going to be incredible. We learn, Lord, that when we claim our power,
by serving others and by being vulnerable when we claim our power to do the possible that you step in and do the impossible. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to remember Ruth. In Jesus' name, amen. When Susan came up earlier, and by the way, thank you, Susan, for doing that. When Susan came up earlier 